For Thomas Matters Radio is sponsored by Omega Processing Solutions. Omega Processing Solutions is building prosperity one life at a time. Since 2003, Omega has provided electronic payment processing, business-to-business, and e-commerce payment solutions, mobile pay, point-of-sale systems, short-term capital funding, and gift card loyalty programs to thousands of businesses across the United States. Omega has an A-plus Better Business Bureau rating and is a member of the organization's leadership circle of champions. Omega Processing Solutions, unsurpassed value, unmatched support. Call them today in Fort Thomas, Kentucky, 866-888-9724, 866-888-9724. On the show today, Brandon Volker, City Attorney of Cold Spring, Kentucky, and Northern Kentucky Attorney. Back once again for Thomas Matters Radio. This is Mark Collier. Today we're going to talk to Brandon Volker. Brandon is my go-to guy uh, in the south end of Campbell County. I had heard a bunch of rumors about some franchisees that were kind of coming into Cold Spring. A lot of interest surrounding those. So he's always my first call when I hear something like that, and we kind of jumped into those rumors, but also a little bit more on a broader scope, um, just in terms of how culture is kind of changing, uh, planning and zoning, and uh, how that fits into Northern Kentucky. So um, this is our conversation. So today on the podcast, we've got Brandon Volker. He's a local attorney based out of Cold Spring, is that right? Uh, Fort Mitchell. Okay, Fort Mitchell, but you're... I live in Cold Spring. Live in Cold Spring. Uh, You represent some cities, some... What else? Tell tell me a little bit more about you personally. I represent the city of Cold Spring. I represent uh, Newport School District. Our office also represents uh, City of Independence, City of Erlanger. Um, So I've always had a portion of my practice devoted to municipal law. And so I, the reason we're, we're doing this podcast, you're, you're kind of my go-to. When, when I get past uh, south of, I guess, Highland Heights, uh, I call Brandon Volker and I say, Brandon, what's going on? Um, I heard a couple rumors about some economic development that's happening in Cold Spring right now. Obviously, you just had Cracker Barrel move in. And uh, so we, we kind of started there in, in our conversation as it normally does, kind of uh, takes a million different directions, but let's start there. Um, Cold Spring. Let's talk about uh, the the Renaissance. Uh, you, how many how many franchisees contact the city uh, or, or contact you on a on a weekly basis? Do you think? I would say at least one or two, um, probably a week. And the way they do it, they either call Cindy Minner, um, who's the the head of Campbell County Planning and Zoning, who provides zoning services to the city. Or they'll call the city building and talk to Steve Taylor, um, or they'll they'll call my office. But usually it's one of the three of us that are going to get a call on you know can they build somewhere and and if they do what are they allowed to build? Yeah. So let's go through a hypothetical here. Cracker Barrel. They call and they say. Well, Cracker Barrel was a moving target. There were at one point two to three different sites they were looking at. Um, in fact, the one that I think most people thought was going to be next to the old uh, or next to the Campbell County auto body. Uh, and then somehow that site didn't um, work out for them. And then it was kind of odd out of the blue. They just swung to the old guys and dolls and the, 
the, the biggest wrinkle on that was, the biggest issue was the requirement that the city would agree to take the lake. So that, that was obviously, usually the calls are about, hey, can we have a drive-through? What about how much parking? What about, you know, in some of our zones, you can't have a flat roof. You've got to have a sloped roof in what's called the, the SDA, Special Development Area. First time I've ever been heard, we would need you to take the lake. Um, so you know, when, when they, and I'm sure, you know, in negotiations, you're instrumental in that because they say, all right, legally, <laughs> what, what does this, can these, can this even happen? Yeah. And, and that was a big issue was, you know, is, is the public helping out private business? And, you know, the way the council approached it was that, no, they're not really, you know, because it, it became a park and that, that lake is a, a watershed for a, you know, heck, the, the the highway department dumps their water up at 27 in it. So it, it really became more about, hey, is this an amenity that the city would like to have from a development standpoint um, to, to preserve basically a, a nice, you know, it's probably a three-acre lake, and, you know, and to put a walking trail around it. Because the other thing that we had been contacted about, it was a real possibility that somebody was like, hey, it's valuable land on 27. You can fill that in. It might cost some money, but hey, you can fill it in and now you got more buildable space. So, I, it, and that's kind of always part of zoning. You got to balance, you, you need the commercial to come to pay the bills, but you also got to try to preserve your residential areas. Sure. And, you know, I think a third of the city lives in that Granite Springs area. A lot of people walk, um, you know, Having that lake council decided would be a great amenity uh, because a you preserve the character of a nice you know lake, um, but also being able to walk around it. Uh, and I know since that the city got it, they've already cleared it. I mean, I don't think people had seen the shore of that thing for years. I mean, now it, it it's it, it's, it's functional. Really, yeah, it's really nice looking. So, and you mentioned that the Cracker Barrel was originally looking on the opposite side of the street, kind of by Campbell County Auto Body, owned by, by the way, uh, and this is, he's not paying me for this, but John, what's John's last John Russell. John Russell's a great guy. So if you if you need body work, go, go, go see John. But they ended up on the other side of the street. Um, and part of that, and which is kind of what we talked about, there's, there's pluses and minuses on being on, you know, one side or the other. Um, you've got Arcadia, the development, and Alexandria that is bringing a ton of traffic down uh, Alexandria Pike in, in 27 right there. Um, talk about, like, one side versus the other. One side versus the other is big. Like, when people say, why don't, you know, we want a Starbucks or, you know, Dunkin' Donuts, I know, has been looking at a number of spots in the city. And it's always, you know, you just think about what's your drive pattern to work. Most people that are heading 27 in the morning are heading north. So what do people buy in the morning? They buy donuts, coffee, things like that. So, you know, it's not a matter of space. It's, you know, under their marketing, it's got to be on that side of the road. Where take a bank, for example. Um, I know that most people don't do their banking on their way to work. They do their banking on their way home. So they want to be on the other side of the road because people are going to naturally pull off to do their banking. So it's uh, that's something you see a lot. And then we also get the added wrinkle of, let's take a Dunkin' Donuts, the college. And, and you know, I think a lot of it is the, the, the demographics and marketing that, that the industry has, you know, and it's unique to each, you know, company. But, you know, obviously there's an element that they want to be so close to that college as well. 
because I guess they know how far somebody will go. If I'm going to sit at a, a donut shop, coffee shop, you know, to study, you know, will they go a mile, a half mile, you know, a couple hundred feet? So that also comes into play. And the issue you get into near the college is there's not a lot of open space. So, and then quick side note, we're recording this on uh, Thursday, November 9th at 1030. Um, 15 minutes ago, they just announced the sixth president of Northern Kentucky University. I don't even know who that is. We've got a reporter there right now. So um, anyway, this is just a, a, a little quick sidebar that'll be able to We'll look back at this podcast and say, oh, yeah, the sixth, the sixth uh, university president for Northern Kentucky University was today during this podcast. So uh, that's, that's kind of the, the south and the, I guess, would you call that the southbound and, and northbound lanes of, of Alexandria Pike 27? I would. Yeah. So the reason for the call originally a couple weeks ago, I, I heard a couple rumors, right? And uh, as city attorney, I know you can't get too far into the weeds on this, but um, Heard a rumor that uh, property was being developed, um, and, and I know you say that franchisees come in on a one to one time or, or two times a week. Um, maybe a B-dubs and a Dunkin' Donuts were going to come in almost right next to Cracker Barrel, um, same side of the street. Um, where are we on that? Where, what can you tell us about that? The, the, the one you hear the most of is probably Panera Bread. Um, I know Dunkin' Donuts was, there's been two or three different sites that they've looked at. Um, but yeah, in, in a B-dubs, those are the three that you, you are hearing a lot about. Um, I know there's also uh, been discussions, you know, I, I think from a concept-wise, uh, I don't know if everybody's familiar with the Taylor Mill area where they built the, um, you've got a La Rosa's, a Graders, and I think a Skyline on the first floor, and then you put in kind of office uh, above that. Um, I, I think you're seeing more of a trend. It'll be interesting to see if there's a large quadrant, not just in Cold Spring, but maybe anywhere in the county. That seems to be the trend. I, I was the other day over at Anderson Development, unrelated to the city in any way. Um, but if you go over like Brookwood area, yeah. the, the trend now is to put in a a concept where literally it's retail on the first floor, maybe office, and then even residential. I, I know that in in Crestview Hills, I know that back in the day when they built that that outdoor mall, you know, the old Dillard spot, you know, they only wanted this outdoor mall. Well, I think now market studies are showing that isn't the best use of land. It is to mix in the office, the residential, because you've got people that want to they want to park their car when they get home and be able to walk, you know, to get their groceries, to go out, get a beer, get their coffee. Uh, and then you also got people from an office standpoint that want to park their car and be able to walk out for lunch. It, it'll be interesting to see, you know, that trend. Does it does that start to come to areas maybe in Newport and Cold Spring, maybe out in Alexandria or in Fort Thomas? You know, there, there's a, there's a, a prevailing wisdom here in the city that um, there are some people that that uh, have this big, big grand vision, right? And sometimes in Fort Thomas, that goes against everything that people are here that have been here and, and procreally have been here for generations. They don't want to see change. But then you look at our storefronts, which I'm probably, I'm sure that you did when you drove in. There's a lot of empty storefronts right now. So you get this uh, prevailing wisdom that says, if we keep doing the same things, um, we're never going to be, to be able to progress. And maybe you know, some in the community just want it to be a bedroom community. But to your point, in Cold Spring, 
Um, you're looking at trends um, that, from a zoning perspective, you can look at and say, yeah, this is working here. How do we, you know, manipulate our zoning ordinances around a little bit to um, adhere to how things uh, culturally are happening now? That's, you know, being close to where you live, walkability. Um, we talked about parking lots. So parking lots always have been a, 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 um, a hurdle uh, in terms of zoning. Um, talk about parking and the need for that and, and maybe how that's shifting away from these ginormous lots. Well, I mean, when you've got, everybody's got stormwater, right? You know, everybody's trying to make sure that we're not harming the environment uh, more so than, than it's already happened through the years. But, you know, the days of, you know, a lot of malls, shopping centers, they have these gigantic parking lots. The only time they're ever really full is maybe Black Friday at 4 a.m. Um, that, you know, is that really needed? And a lot of times you'll find there are some times when a business says, hey, what I'm required isn't enough. And there's other times they say, I don't need that much. For example, the La Rosa's, I remember made the comment, they needed additional parking and was required because, it, and I was shocked the number of people that were employed there. I, I was shocked to find Cracker Barrel employees, 170 people. And I think there's more of a trend to maybe leave that up to private enterprise to, to say how much parking we need because at the end of the day, you're not going to not build enough parking because you're not going to get customers if sure. they're upset because they can't park. By the same token, why require a footprint that is just vast concrete that's creating runoff, you know, and it's really not that good for the environment. And it doesn't look, people would rather see nice landscape versus just concrete that's not being utilized. So an example of this, um, specifically in Cold Spring, and I think it's, is it called Cold Spring Crossing, where um, Home Depot and... Yes. Okay. So that's, I think, a perfect example. You, you pull in, there's um, retail along your left, there's some standalone buildings on your right, um, and then you have this humongous parking lot, um, which, you know, granted, is supposed to hold Kroger, uh, Home Depot, Kohl's, is there another big one over there? Uh, no, I think those are the big three. But you're right. I mean, you look there, and Kroger generally has a lot of people there all the time, so their parking lot is pretty full. But then you look at Kohl's and you look at Home Depot, and they've got this humongous footprint. Now you look from a zoning perspective, could we be using this space uh, in a different manner? And it's almost like you're, you're hamstrung a little bit, right? Yeah, and some of it does come from from corporate. Uh, you know, they want a certain size lot. You know, maybe it's just hopes that it'll always be full. But you know, yeah, you you do see it. There's just a lot of parking. You know, look at look at Furniture Fair because it used to be a Kmart. You know, if the number of people that would go to a Kmart were at Furniture Fair, I mean, I don't think they'd have enough salespeople to to service everybody. You know, but that that's a lot of parking. Um, and 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 those are trends that you're seeing. I think that. Zoning is is just like everything. It evolves through time, um, you know, kind of back to the whole generational gap. You and I were talking about the other day, you know, the 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 older generation, I think that was, you know, drive throughs, for example, always a big issue. Um, you know, people always want to preserve their residential kind of bedroom community. But the younger generation wants to be able to order on their phone and pick it up. So, for example, if I place an order on my phone and I just go to a window or something to pick that up, is that really a drive-through or is some will call it a service window? You're not really ordering through a clown mouth or anything, but you're obviously 
not at the place and ordering something, you know, that's where I think you're going to see uh, things start to change. The other thing is in the signs, you know, it used to be, you know, everyone's worried about it. Do you, do you, or do you not allow digital signs? Um, you know, you, you probably don't want the person going out with the long stick changing the price of gas because that doesn't look as good. But by the same token, you don't want probably signs that are flashing every eight seconds, you know, hot dogs are on sale, coffee, drink, you know. But you also, you know, you want things to look nice aesthetically. Uh, you you want to stay up with the times, but you also don't want your zoning to, to cheapen an, an area. And one one of the reasons I always love talking to you is because you you just you know so much about so much that it's kind of like when you call you call for one reason and then you get filled in like on a million <laughs> other things. So I want to transition a little bit about I want to get your take on the growth of Campbell County. Um, we, we talked about it briefly, but Arcadia has blown up. There's been a, I don't even know how many homes out there. Um, Campbell County High School is bursting. I'm, th there's a lot of, of stuff that's happening in Campbell County. I just want to leave it open-ended and say, tell, give me your thoughts on the county right now. Uh, the, I remember the first time, I think my wife, Caitlin, and I were driving out in Alexandria and just turned out, you know, I'd heard of this thing, this Arcadia Road that was being built. And I remember turning right, you know, by the citizens and driving back there. And I remember thinking, is this road going to get all the way to Kent and Cat? It went forever. And I remember thinking, I can't believe how much this costs Fisher and Drees just to build this road. I mean, you know, typically they build a road as the houses come, but they literally built this road really before they had house one. So, you know, I saw that. And then all of a sudden the houses just kept coming. And I mean, it's amazing how quick. Things are being built there. It, it reminds me back when the um, when the economy was down and you know basically in our recession in 2008, 2009, and no one was building. I always joked that when they were building Granite Springs, you would never known there was a, a recession going on because those houses they still beat expectations even through a recession. So you're seeing the same thing out in Arcadia where the homes are just getting built. I mean, I I don't even think if you go out right now. And, add, and agree to build one that they can even start right away. I, I think there's that much of a demand. But the flip side is, and you see this from a lot of uh, clients and friends I have that are they're contractors, there's not enough laborers in our area. You know, there's people that want service. They want concrete driveways poured. They want porches. Good luck getting it. There's just not enough workers It's hard right to now. get bids right yes. now. It's hard to get bids. So the residual from that, that growth in that, that southern part of the county, what do you think that means for the county as a whole? Politically, maybe, um, you know, as a, as a region, how does that play in? I think, you know, obviously politically, I think you're seeing a bit of a, it's kind of strange. You're seeing a lot of new construction, people moving further south to build, but then you also see a number of the, the younger generation that want to live in the urban core. Um, it's strange. It's like they... I think you see more people moving. I think that's why you do see more rental right now is, you know, a lot of times people got out of college and they're like, you know, my goal is to buy my first house. Now maybe it's like, hey, I'm content. I'm just going to rent for five, eight, ten years because maybe when I want to have kids, maybe I want, you know, the backyard and all. But, hey, when I'm young and single or even if I'm recently married, I want to be able to, you know, just literally park my car and, and go and do, you know, hit the bars, hit the nightclubs and all that. So I think you see growth in both areas. I mean, it, um, you know, you look at Newport and Covington, it, I mean, they're hopping. 
Bellevue. But so is Arcadia, yeah. Bellevue. I mean, I always joked. I, we've uh, I flipped a few houses in in Bellevue, and it is like Mini Hyde Park. I mean, those first what are they first Fridays in Bellevue? I mean, they're fun. I mean, people. I remember we take when when our kids were a little younger. You know, fill the stroller up. It was nice. Something to do on a Friday. You walk down, hit the stores, get something to eat. I mean, there's literally, it seems like something everywhere for everyone. And then you're even seeing it, even when you got tracks of land, people wanting this tiny house living. Um, Anna Zincon's a friend of mine, and she gets calls from people that want to literally live in a tiny house and rent space. Um, I know one person that is renting is a, is a, a resident children's hospital. I'm, I'm assuming it must be great you can go shower there. But I mean, you know, you got doctors that are literally living in like a 10 foot by 10 foot mini house with a compost toilet. It, so it you, amazes you me. You can kind of put this stuff together and just talk about whether we're talking about zoning and the, the shift from these large parking lots to these huge tracts of land um, and living, I guess, simply and closer to home. Do you think that all those things kind of just tie together and people just want you know, to wrap their round, arms around their life a little bit more? Yeah, I think people are using where they live. That's, that's, it's kind of like defining them. It's, you know, there's people that like the outdoors. There's people that want the, the urban lifestyle. And then there's still the people that want suburbia. You know, the, I, 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 my kids go out, they ride their bikes, the neighborhood all gets together. It's Halloween. We fire up a fire pit. We, you know, I, I think, I think your neighborhood's always have defined our societies but it, and it's still happening but i think there's just there's there's just a lot more difference you know there's a person who wants to go off the grid there's a person who wants the urban core and there's the suburban people all right i want you to i want you to handicap um likelihood for franchisees to come into <laughs> into your city now this is just your opinion here um let's start with uh tim hortons i've heard that name before um, I think there's a strong likelihood of a Tim Hortons. Again, it's location. It's, it's the proper location side of the road. Um, I know I, um, I know the, the person who was looking at building there and actually have spoken to him. I know the mayor and I and city manager have been to the Erlanger location and spoke to him trying to find that right mix. And also what you're seeing is with the, the demographics, the more people coming in, is I think they're wanting a little more marketing studies on traffic counts to make sure that, you know, when you're talking the kind of money that's being spent, they want to know it's going to work before they pull the trigger. Um, let's start uh, Panera. I know you said that's one that you hear about often. I, I think strong likelihood of a Panera coming somewhere. I don't think side of road really matters as much, but I, I it, the number of spots in the the call. I, I think you're going to see a Panera in the foreseeable future. B Dubs or BW Threes or Buffalo Wild Wings, whatever. One of those. One of those types of restaurants. I think similar to Panera. I think there's strong likelihood. Dunkin' Donuts. I, I think they're. I think if they had a spot, they'd be there already. I think it's finding the right spot. Who else am I missing? Um. I. I actually, I was just literally having coffee with. The mayor earlier, um, believe it or not, the city gets the most call from residents of what they want for his steak and shake. Um, he's actually reached out and he told me this morning he confirmed that they're they're not company owned, they're local franchisees. So I think he's going to try and find a, um, a franchisee and see if they're interested. Because again, I think it's a 
uh, Steak and Shake is a it's a sit down meal, but its price point is is more in the closer to a fast food line to where again, you know, I have four kids. If I take them all out to eat, it can get pretty expensive. So you kind of like that price point of the Steak and Shake. Steak and Shake. What else? Give me one more. Um, oh, we always, there's always banks that are co- wanting to come. It seems like. Um, That's not sexy though. No. Um, <laughs> That's really all I've heard. What about what? About, how easy is it for a um, you know, non-franchisee? So somebody just like you or I that just said, "I, I want to try my hand at this. Um, I, I want to do this." How often do you do you get business plans or hear hear of that kind of stuff coming to town? Um, usually, they're not building a new building. It's usually more on the from the standpoint of a um, going into an existing place. Um, you get a lot, for example, there's a breakout room that literally is under construction on Martha Lane Collins. And actually that was a zoning decision we had to make because obviously when you Des- can't... Describe what that is real quick. Oh, a, a breakout room is where you go in with, you know, five, six, seven, eight people and you're given a series of clues that you've got to answer. I think you have an hour to get to, to literally break out of the room um, to, to win or to, to so it's a, a family experience. Yeah, type family thing. or friends. Um, so go back to the zoning decision on that. So they they had um, they made an application that you know hey are we allowed? Well, no zoning ordinance is ever going to be able to capture every zone you know every potential use. I guarantee you, when most written nobody had heard of the term breakout room. It's a it's a recent uh, new industry that that from what I've seen I've actually done it. There the one over in Hyde Park place is pretty crowded. This place has locations in. Florence at all. So it, it is very popular. So, you know, yeah, you apply a zoning ordinance and there wasn't anything per se saying you can build it, but it was similar to like a hobby. Uh, there, there were similar uses um, that, that kind of said, hey, this is okay. And the other thing you look at, if it's kind of a close call, is it is it going to harm the existing businesses? And then like in the case of this, they don't really serve alcohol. Um, it, you know, it doesn't really compete against the other businesses. It arguably brings more people in. And so, you know, it was like, it was deemed that that was an appropriate use and an accessory use. And I, I think I saw it on Facebook. I think it's pretty close to opening. Yeah. And, and it's a place again for people to go, couples to go with friends or take your family as well. Um, so you get, that's kind of a mom and pop that opened up. Um, you know, it, it's tough when you, when you look at that Cracker Barrel, it'd be hard for a group of local people to go build something like that to create their own restaurant. I mean, I can't even imagine what the cost of that facility <laughs> is. Speaking of that, and that's what we'll kind of end on. How? What's been the reaction? I mean, it's seen. I've seen like people have been excited about Cracker Barrel, but like, <laughs> it seems like it's crazy the amount. Like how excited people are about this. Why? I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Cracker. I was never a huge Cracker Barrel person. Now, my wife loves their pancakes. Um, she says because they're griddled, does it right? I don't know. I, I think there's just a lot of people that, and maybe it's because Cracker Barrels were always typically off an interstate to have one that close. And, and I know this is a, a, a prototype store because obviously you usually don't have them that aren't on interstates. And, and maybe that's the intrigue of it. But, you know, yeah, it, it's... I That's mean, a good point. Yeah, I mean, I, I didn't... Obviously, you know that when you drive down the road and you're going to Florida with your family or whatever. Sure. You see them. That is a good point. Yeah, it's situated right in the middle of 
of Cold Spring, Kentucky. That's that's differentiating, right? Yeah, and, and the thing that shocked me, I always wondered, you know, do they really sell that much stuff to justify turning half your your business into a store? And, and and that was my take. But when it was announced, I remember the first thing my wife said was she was most excited that it was a great place because whenever we're heading to like the kid's birthday party or something, we've never planned in advance to get the gift ahead of time. She was like, that is the perfect place to be able to go and get last minute gifts. And, and you know, I was thinking more of a place to be able to get breakfast or dinner. Her first thought was a great place to go and get emergency gifts, cards or whatever. And so it, 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 it went against my thought of why do you have this half a store being used, you know, half of a restaurant for a store. So I, and there, and I've, was at it a couple times already. Their store is pretty unique. I mean, there is something for, I mean, I literally the other day, my wife said, we just do all our Christmas shopping here at the Cracker Barrel. There you go. Brandon, how do people uh, connect with you? Are you taking new clients right now? Uh, we are. Uh, my email is bvolker, B-V-O-E-L-K-E-R at gatlinvolker.com. Uh, our website is www.gatlinvolker.com. And we're also on Facebook at uh, Gatlin Volker. And we'll, we'll provide those links in the body of this podcast and uh, on fourthomasmatters.com. Brandon, any words of wisdom, parting words of wisdom? No, I, I, when you're talking about it, I, I'd never, I think I was in this building when I was younger as a kid, but it, I didn't realize how big it was. And you're right, it's a lot of office right in the heart of Fort Thomas that everybody can walk and yeah go. I, I, we go to the top the donut place my kids love it they make their own donuts it's, there you go top this donuts is an advertiser for Thomas Matters so we will plug them once again we're actually broadcasting live uh today from the Highland building in our conference room of Living Media Incorporated and I think Brandon I think this is the first podcast that we've had in this conference room Oh, really? Yeah. So uh, another, we had a breaking uh, decision with NKU, and uh, it's another historic day with a podcast with Brandon Volker. Brandon, thanks again for uh, being on Fort Thomas Matters Radio, and uh, we'll be able to connect with Brandon um, on those links that he mentioned earlier. Thanks so much. Thanks, Mark.